Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You are listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. And I am one of your hosts, Rye. And I'm one of your other hosts, Chris Hampson. And welcome, because you'll float down too with us, your, your host. Yes! We are, we are uh, podcasting live from the sewers of Derry. Derry, Maine. Yes. Um, it's kind of... It's kind of it's kind of impressive how how we got this set up despite all the sewage and the water and <laughs> all the gray water. Yes, all the gray water, all the <laughs> all the like. You would think that a, we couldn't get a signal with all the like the metal and the concrete and, but I don't know. We live we live in unprecedented times of four G wireless fiber optic internet. That's right. We ran fiber optic cable through the sewers just for you guys. In case you can't tell by like the rampant excitement, we're talking about it. That's right, it's. So this is week three of our Stephen King movie marathon, leading up to Pet Cemetery 2019. So uh, if you missed out, you can go back to the f- past couple of few episodes where we released Carrie and um, uh, The Mist. So. <sighs> Uh, yeah, last week was my That pick. was so rough. Okay, the, again, disclaimer. The TV show, the TV not show, the movie. Bad News Bears. TV show had problems. So many problems. Uh, I, we watched the TV show, so you don't have to. But today we're watching, or today we're reviewing it, and it uh, both the 1990 miniseries... Um, and the 2017 remake, uh, both, uh, I'm just gonna bury the lead, both are still mm, masterpieces, I love them. I was, okay, so since we're just gonna get right into it, I said the exact same thing to Chris, I said that I have, there's only like one critique that I have, and it really has nothing to do with the miniseries, and it has nothing to do with the remake, and then the subsequent chapter two of of the 2017 film um my critique has a lot to do with the book which i'm kind of afraid to critique too much because i sort of really idolize stephen king but well ryan you can love stephen king but you can still critique him that's fine okay well then in the honor of doing that i'm just going to do this now and get it out of the way it was in my opinion, had one of the worst endings to a Stephen King novel I have ever encountered. I've never uh, read a book and thrown it across the room before. I threw it across the room when I was done with it because I was so pissed off and disappointed in the ending. So for those who have not read the book, um, spoiler alert, let me take a guess. It's the scene uh, where... In order to, you know, quote unquote, create a blood pact or create or seal the promise, the Beverly and the rest of the Losers Club have an orgy. It's not just that, but that is a huge part of it. Having 12-year-olds have sex with each other to maintain a connection between childhood and adulthood is fucking stupid. Also, a giant otherworldly space, pregnant space spider and turtle just... uh, I want to say that he wrote that part of the book while he was in, like, a cocaine-fueled, like, rage, which is entirely possible. He has said there are parts of his books that he's written that he doesn't remember because he was doing a lot of drugs. So, 
okay, fine, fair enough. Um, I'm hoping that that was one of them because I don't understand any part of that, of the novel. You can have something be an otherworldly entity and sort of leave it at that. It's a shape-shifting kid killer. That's enough. You don't have to go into this pregnant space spider and, and the turtle and all of that. No. Uh, so I guess I'm interested in uh, digging a little bit deeper into this criticism. Did you not like the fact that Stephen King tried to explain give a rational oh, quote-unquote rationale behind the terrifying origins of this creature or the fact that like it just it just turned out to be this eldritch cosmic spider being here's the thing is the book genuinely terrified me i read it in public i purposely read it in public because i have done the whole i'm gonna read stephen king under the covers with a flashlight and then i don't sleep which is fine um but reading it like that i there were parts of the book where i would i was genuinely scared and i think that is attributes a lot to his writing and, and how talented he is but you could have left it as it shows them what they're most afraid of or it comes to them as something that they are most afraid of something that haunts a town and has a hold on a town and appears as different things to different children to appe to appeal to them and then eat them. That's terrifying enough. You don't need to try and rationalize it. Uh, and then to think that the best rationale that someone like him could come up with was a fucking pregnant space spider. He's in my, it's just my two cents. I just think he's better than that. And it was just very uh, disappointing. Okay, so I have a couple of, uh, not counterpoints, but just responses to that. Um, see, um, Pennywise, or the spider, or the shit ton of many aliases this creature ha uh, happens to have. Like, technically, if, at least according to the novel, its true name, it's called Bob Gray. Uh, but Pennywise, Bob, Bob, or to Pennywise is much better. But anyway. Wait I mean, a minute. Oh my God. Yeah, so that this is this is what I, this is what I'm getting to. No, 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 no! Oh my god, I totally forgot what its name oh. was. Well, right? How could you forget? We were kids. We were 12 years old. We fought it and we buried it here. No, 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 no! I forgot that the whole stupid entity's name is Bob Gray because ah, uh, hello, that is the name of the alien from Dreamcatcher. Oh. Mr. Gray. Oh, okay. That's your fucking Easter oh, egg. Oh, well, we cracked. It's the same goddamn we alien. We cracked the code. That wasn't my intention, but we cracked oh, it. Oh, well, now I feel like an we asshole. It. <laughs> um, I okay, I'm sorry. No, I no, may no, feel no, like no. an no, asshole this is great. for that, but I still don't think it should have been a giant pregnant okay. <laughs> well, well, this is my this is my point because I I agree I agree that um um especially with the miniseries like. Like the big reveals, like, oh shit! It's like this spider. Um, as like it was like, oh, after everything we've seen, it's a little bit underwhelming. And like, what we've, what what, oh, how Pennywise is built up. You know, one, it's scary clown guy who can like do weird shit with your with with your head. Um, and then what's really great, it like introduces 
this element of like cosmic horror like they keep talking about the dead lights um and and that's that's so cool because like it's something that's beyond human perception beyond human understanding and you know i think it just makes pennywise an entity so much more terrifying because it's 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 something that's beyond this you know the our concept of good and evil it's like beyond it and doesn't have it's beyond morality and it, it just justifies what it does because it wants to eat it wants to feed it, it doesn't have any sort of moral code and the fact that its true form is like these series of lights um or i guess one of its forms is a series of lights you don't know what the fuck it is it's like whole and that's that's spot on like love crashing tropes and i eat that shit up and the fact that in the end we get this spider, it's just like it's especially in the miniseries. It's just like okay, I mean, cool. I mean, the practical effects wise, I think it was really cool. It was really interesting to look at, but it's just like it was a, it was very underwhelming. Now, I don't know. And maybe Ryan, you can fill you can fill in the gaps if you know um, about the trivia and stuff, but. Um, in the in the novel, um, while explaining like the the origins of the of the thing or of it of Pennywise, uh, he threw out concepts about the macroverse. Um, so these are uh, or throwing out um allusions to its at natural enemy, which which is being the turtle, uh, which is also part of the macroverse. And who anyone who's really really familiar. With Stephen King's work, these are all allusions and references to uh, the Dark Tower series. So I don't know exactly when it was written. I don't know if it was like before or after Dark Tower, or if Stephen King had it in his head all along to connect it in the Dark Tower, or he just did it organically. But it just seemed like, I guess, whichever order it was written, he was trying to. I think it was just trying to stretch the narrative threads far, like really far so they would be interconnected. And I think that didn't work, at least in my opinion. I don't think it it's doesn't work. I mean, it's no surprise that a lot of Stephen King's work are interconnected um, and they reference each other over and over and over. But I don't know. I just, I think independent of itself i think it you don't really need the spider you don't really need the turtle um and that's what i really enjoyed about the 2017 version like it kind of it just i mean it, uh it, yes it was very faithful but like it just kept on with like the eldritch cosmic horror element without the silly hokiness of a spider uh, you know third act reveal boss reveal and I, I really enjoyed that. And instead of doing that, they just upped the horror on like body horror and like disfiguration and just like sh it's shape shifting even into even more grotesque things. And I just I think that was a really nice um, touch that the new film did. Not not to say like the mini film, the mini series or the book it's it's inferior, but I think that this new movie gave Pennywise a facelift. In terms of its narrative core and just like Bill Skarsgård being just creepy and amazing as fuck. Okay, so I'm going to address 
most of what you said. As far as, so I know that I pointed this out uh, when we did our episode on the mist. I'm not so sure if I pointed this out in Carrie. I, I, I really can't remember. But I did make a point of saying that Stephen King does this thing. And I do believe it's intentional. Because I remember we brought up Castle Rock as well. That his un the universe with the universes that he makes within his books are all interwoven. Now, are they all interwoven through a commonality in the Dark Tower series? I haven't finished the Dark Tower series, so I can't say that for certain. Um, but I will say that I know that they're all connected because there are nods and Easter eggs and homages in every single book that you read and every movie you watch. They're there. Uh, as per publication date. Uh, it was published in 1986, and The Dark Tower, book one, was published in 1982. Uh, do, are we going to give Stephen King all that credit and say, absolutely, this is all done on purpose? I'd like to, because I admire him so much. Um, I also think it's really interesting, and I read this while I was just looking up some interesting factoids about the miniseries and the 2017 remake. The way Pennywise looks in the 2017 remake was the intention for him to look originally when the miniseries came out. However, Tim Curry, after being cast as Pennywise, had just done the movie Legend, where he played the devil, a.k.a. Darkness, and he was concerned about doing that much prosthetic work all over again, so they did the makeup that they did. Andy, when he did the 2017 remake, decided to adapt the cheekbones, the bulbous head... And make that his clown. Was he aware of that beforehand? He's not a dumb guy. I'm sure he was. But I've seen the sketches. Because I've watched the Pennywise Lives doc. That comes with the 2017 movie when you buy it. I've watched that. It's about 15 minutes long. I've watched that too many times. All of his sketches look like that. So is so his documentary, is this... You can find it on YouTube. Oh, sweet. So, like, it's like storyboards. Is it, does it have, like, Bill Skarsgård? It's got sketches on... It's not Bill Skarsgård, but it is his okay. Pennywise, minus the red lines on his face. But the head shape and the hair, it's all very much oh. there. That is That's what he was going for. I'm sure I'll find it on YouTube. I'm sure it's out there. I would just love to see, like, a time-lapse video of Bill Skarsgård getting into Pennywise makeup. Because I love those type of videos. Because... I I'm haven't sure seen that yet, so if you find that... Oh, we'll post it. We'll say no boost it. It'll be fine. Okay. Another thing. Um, the miniseries. The writer said that they stayed true to the common core of the novel. And that is 100% true. They did the back and forth time jump. They did a little differently in the miniseries than they did it in the book, and that was fine, but they still stayed true to that. They left the very awkward 12-year-old orgy out, which was fantastic. Yes, thank you. Thank you, miniseries. Thank you, movie, for doing both of those things. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really not a fan. I really hope that it, I mean, obviously it'll stay that way because the kids aren't going to be in much of the second one. The first movie was really about them. And I really thought that I was going to hate it uh, the first time I saw it. And I know that we've talked about the movie It before. So I had nothing but great things to say about it. I might have been slightly more critical the first time I saw it. 
But I've seen it about five or six more times since then. Probably more. And I have to tell you that they are both extraordinarily faithful adaptations of the novel. And any changes that they made, I don't think it was a detriment at all. I think it even added to it. Um, I know in the miniseries they adhere to the beep beep Richie thing that occurs in the novel. Beep beep Richie is what they tell Richie Tozer to shut up. That's how they tell him to be quiet. They don't do it in the 2017 movie. They only do it once, and I think... Pennywise does it. Yeah, Pennywise does it. The kids don't do it. Pennywise does it. And I'm okay with it because there was something... They changed his fear for the movie, too. They made him afraid of clowns instead of werewolves, but they did do a little nod to the werewolf phobia from the original. When Pennywise is coming after the kids in the kitchen, that clawed hand that comes out is supposed to be a werewolf hand like the original. Which I thought was great. And I think, um, if I remember correctly, in the book, Pennywise turns into a mummy. And I know in the final climactic fight scene, uh, when he's taking hold of Greg, he also turns into a mummy. So it's another callback to uh, the OG source material. I think that was Mike Hanlon's fear in the book. Okay. So they might have changed it to... Greg, because I know like, like it was one of the, it was definitely one of the kids. Whoever gets wrapped up in the mummy bandages in the 2017 movie, that was their original phobia in the book. And no, yes, yeah, so that was Greg. You mean Ben? Uh, shit. <laughs> yes, Ben. Why do I think of Greg? I'm so I sorry. I don't know, and it's okay. What I what I did appreciate learning about for the 2017 movie that was an added. Uh, thing I rem- the Stan when he goes back into his dad's study and puts his Haftorah back um, you see there's a painting on the wall and I remember sitting there and I go that looks an awful like a Modigliani painting Modigliani is notorious for drawing very beautiful women with very long necks and eyes that are almond shaped that's a thing that he does. It's sort of like a calling card. And I remember looking at that and I'm like, that looks like a Modigliani. I wonder if he did it on purpose. Well, he did. Uh, he had one of the, the director had a Modigliani painting in his childhood home and decided to use that in this movie as one of the things that attacks the kids. And I thought that that was extremely clever on his part. Did it terrify him at, while he was a kid? I'm assuming so, or else why the hell else would you put it in a movie about something that chooses to terrorize children and takes the shape of things that they're afraid of? Oh, I just I just love that that scene where Stan gets separated in the 2017 version. And it and oh, they, yeah. they just turn on the flashlight and like the the, the it's like it's like a, a pair of like suckers comes it's out of his mouth. It's just like it's just oh, it, yeah. it's like it's just giving him a giant wide kiss over his entire face. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is so good. So as everyone should already know, Chris and I are a huge fan of practical effects. I think that we can both agree that a tremendous amount can be accomplished with practical effects. And both of these movies had a fair amount of that. 
I think my favorite practical effect was from the 2017 movie, and it is the most subtle one out of all of them, and that is Bill Skarsgård's eye. Oh, the it's eye so good. That <laughs> tilts off to the side. Bill Skarsgård is doing that himself. The director had told him, This is a thing that I want to do. There's something that's supposed to be off about Pennywise. And I want to digitally move one eye. And he goes, no, 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 I can do that. And he just does it. One of his eyes is lazy. I'm really happy he didn't fix that because it just, it makes that. It's, I remember when we first talked about it on Super Nerd Pals. And I, that was something that I, I just can't not... I couldn't get over. It's just like the the eyes. Just it's just like they're just looking in different directions, and it's just it's so weird and like off kilter, but so subtle. And like the fact that it's subtle just draws attention to it even more. It's like oh, it's so good. And another thing, I um, I mean, I, I, actually, well, it's interesting you mentioned like practical effects, because like I think it's just I think the twenty seventeen version is a really great example of using the two or using both practical effects and CGI seamlessly. Cause like I had a, I mean, now that you mentioned it, like I can, this, this, this movie is like, it was one of those movies where I found it like genuinely, genuinely hard to like pick out certain moments and try to figure out whether or not it's CGI or practical effects. And like the fact that it, it's, at least for me, it was so difficult to pick out means like, they used both mediums, both strengths, and both tools sets really seamlessly and really judiciously and really smartly. And I, I like that's how CGI should be used. Like you, especially like yes, obviously use it for the scenes where you know it, you have to use it, like making that giant pile of toys and all the kids floating and, and orbiting around it. Yes, you obviously have to use CGI for it, but like I'm sure those like subtle tricks were like i i was watching is like there has to be cgi and it wasn't it was just like practical effects and like i hope i hope to god every single time pennywise opens his maw and like and just all this body horror stuff happens i i wish that was all you know practical effects and because i live for that shit like there was so much body horror in this movie and like i haven't seen this movie since it came out in theaters, so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Ryan. But it was like it was like watching the movie. I waited two years to see this. I'm again. so sorry. I got an eye roll from Tom because I watched it on my birthday, which was like three months. I ago. know. I'm so sorry, but like, I'm son. I am disappointed. I know, but but this was such a treat because it felt like watching the movie like fresh for the first time again, and I was so delighted. Like just it just um. It was just so, like because like all the like uh all the, like the the synapses in my brain that are hardwired for hard uh for body horror which is flashing on and off it's just like this is so much fun and I forgot like legitimately how scary this movie was because uh, I think not not to take away from the miniseries or like Tim Curry's performance like Tim Curry like he's like. Tim Curry and Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, they're both scary as hell. And like, but... But for different reasons, it's, which is completely For, for different reasons. I, I think with what overall, like the, the miniseries, it's more, it's more of a thriller 
as opposed to a horror movie. Um, but it's still it's scary because like Tim Curry's version of it is like really unsettling. And then like Scars Guard is just like straight up batshit terrifying. Uh, because like there's so much because technology and filming techniques have progressed so far uh, in 2017 where they could pull off like him like making his maw like grow like 10 sizes 10 sizes so big or like they could do really crazy things like him opening the fridge and like twisting himself at like and, like rotating himself in like impossible directions into his original form uh, and like they're like two very distinct but equally uh, equally distinct permutations but they still achieve like the same effect like at the end of the day you're just like oh pennywise just gives you the creeps i will say that the thing now maybe we'll see it in chapter two but one of the most iconic things that Tim Curry does as Pennywise, I'm going to play it right now, is sorely lacking from chapter one because it's not about the adults. It's, it's about the kids. And I really hope that they do this in some respect in the, in the second one because it makes me laugh, but it's just so fucking iconic for me. Okay, are we ready? Yes. It's him saying, kiss me, fat boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. So that, this is the scene where... They're all adults. They're now back. They're back in Derry. They're all, they're all adults. They're all, they're all in the hotel. And then uh, I think ben, ben and Beverly are alone. Uh, and this is... Uh, this band's played by John Ritter. Rest in, rest in power. Uh, John Ritter was amazing, and um, they're making out, and then, <laughs> and then John Ritter like looks in the mirror and he sees you see like Pennywise gloved clowny hand on his shoulder, and then he looks back and then you see Pennywise. You see like instead of lipstick, it's clown makeup smeared over his face. It's like oh my god, this is so good. I there his voice and just everything that he does is so iconic for this. I don't know about the rest of you, but when I was younger, I saw a movie called Fern Gully. It's oh, of course, of course, I know Fern Gully. And Tim Curry plays the voice of Pollution, aka smog, Hexus. He, yeah, pollu- and that song he sings. I'm sorry, he made Pollution sound sexy. Yeah. Tim Curry, and I was like a fetus. <laughs> Okay, so Tim Curry is so charming but so creepy. I don't, I don't know if he means to be creepy. Just, just I don't know. Although I don't, I hate, to, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but he can't be creepy anymore. The man had a stroke and like never fully recovered. Uh, like he can't, he can't be creepy. Like when I see him, my heart breaks. But he's still. You just want to give him a hug. I do, and he's still around, and he goes to cons, and he makes public appearances, and he speaks, and that's. Oh, absolutely uh, incredible. And I'll I'll get back to now Tim Curry for a very good reason towards the end because there is something that hasn't come out yet. It's not out in the world, but I am very interested to watch it when it does. So I'll just plug that at the end for everybody. In terms of Bill Skarsgård's performance, he says that he tried to play Pennywise 
uh, with a sort of glitchy childlike quality because a he is a, an otherworldly entity that is portraying a clown that now has to lure children in so there's that part of it and there's obviously something wrong with him hence the glitchy aspect and, and it's like they, they play it like really subtly like it's it's well, the eye is supposed to be the subtlety of all of that. His eyes change color, and then one of them goes the wrong way, and you're like, "Whoa, oh, whoa what?" Um, well, it's not just it's, it's just like it's like not just. I mean, I of course like that's like one of the most prominent ones. But what I really loved in that same scene is where he's talking to Georgie, and then he like blanks out. He like spaces out, and like there's like this uncomfortable silence, which cues georgie to be like oh i gotta go now and then like pennywise just realizes what what happened and he like gets back into character i love those i love i love those like really small really low-key directorial uh decisions but like it just fits so well i love that i love that portrayal and the other thing is that bill says it's in the book somewhere that might be true that Pennywise is its favorite form that it likes to take on. Hence his childlike quality that he takes with it because he wanted to show the entity really having fun with it. He loves to torture kids. He likes kids. And also I want to give a massive amount of credit to Andy Muschietti for doing what the 1990 miniseries didn't do which was show Georgie without the arm because it's implied in the miniseries and they don't see it. And I was fine with that. But as soon as I saw them do this in 2017, I was like, that's different. That deviates from the book and not in a bad way. And I'm not mad at it because it took balls for you to take a tiny child and show his arm getting bitten off and I think what really pulls that whole scene together and what really makes it is while Georgie is sort of trying to get away to push himself back up, you see Pennywise's arm crawling out from the sewer grate to pull him back in. And that image from all the way up top is something other, literally otherworldly. It was incredible. So I, it's almost like he was meant to do this. <laughs> I, think, but I think after this second rewatch, I think... George was definitely in my, one of my top favorites because, like, just him playing so sweet and innocent, and then when he's, you know, quote unquote, possessed by Pennywise, when he's using his armhole as like a ventriloquist dummy. Oh my god! It's and like the fact that he's just like he gets so full of venom. It's like you'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too. It's like oh, so chills. Um, I think Chris liked this too. Just saying. I, I, yes. Just, just just a bit. Just a bit. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I remember I wanted to get a fact check from you. So in the... Okay, so I guess in the book in the miniseries, did they find George's body or did they have a funeral funeral with an empty grave? I believe it was a funeral with an empty casket. I don't ever think they find his body. Which was another thing, by the way, you hear all of this stuff about we float down here, we all float down here, and in the miniseries you never see any of that. You see them suspended in spider webs and stuff like that, which, you know, fine. In the 2017 movie you actually get to see kids floating around a giant pile of trash in the sewers. And I thought that was really cool. 
it's just a nice little little nod to all of that. I, I think that the miniseries did everything right for 1990. It brought Pennywise to the screen. You condensed an over 1,000-page book into a three-hour, two-part miniseries, which was not the way it was supposed to be at first. It was supposed to be four parts in eight hours or something like that, and they really shaved it down. Wow. Mm, I mean, I think in the era of Netflix, I would like that, but I think as a... I mean, I just for this particular version, I think three hours was like the right amount of time. Even, oh, even better. Even better. And I think I've only watched the deleted scenes about one time, so I don't really remember them. But the fact that I don't really remember them and I don't feel the need to talk about it other than the fact that every movie has deleted scenes, the fact that I didn't bother to watch them before recording this at least in my eyes, says that that movie did everything right as well. It did everything it should have. And I will even go so far as to say that a lot of the casting for the 2017 movie looked eerily similar to some of the casting from the 1990 miniseries. Intentional or not, still wonderfully done. Beverly Marsh's father, eerily alike. Either that or my brain is playing tricks on me. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely caught, I, I was definitely thinking that, too. I, you're not alone on that. There are a lot of characters in there that, that definitely look the same. What I always somehow manage to forget, and it's always a nice thing to just surprise myself with every time I rewatch the 1990 series, is that Emily Perkins plays young Beverly Marsh. Emily Perkins is in one of my all-time favorite, besides American Werewolf in London, werewolf movies from 2000. She's in the movie called Ginger Snaps. It's not the first time I've mentioned it on the show. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. But it's always just sort of nice to see her in that. Because my introduction to her, or at least what I thought my introduction to her, was Ginger Snaps. Turns out it wasn't. Turns out she was Beverly fucking Marsh in the 1990 miniseries of It. All connects, man. All connects. Speaking of casting, I okay, so this might be controversial. Oh, can we talk about the casting for chapter two? Is that what we're getting into right now? Well, okay, you well, I wanna talk about well, um okay, I wanna talk about like okay. I'm I don't know, I don't wanna disappoint you or the fans. Well, actually it's not so much casting. I okay, I rephrase. It's not so much about casting. I think it's about how a character was written and okay. maybe this is just me. Tell me. Uh, and maybe this is just me removed from seeing the 2017 version af- after like two years. Um, so I, I, I love Finn Wolfhard. I love Stranger Things. But after watching... Don't the, you dare. After watching the miniseries and then watching the 2017 version, I don't know why, but like I, I kind of felt like really wistful for like the, the 1990 Richie. Like I... Maybe she wanted me. Seth Green back. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. I mean, I I love Finn Wolfhard. Don't get me wrong, but I I maybe maybe Ryan, you could chime in on like what's the tr- what's your true canon characterization of Richie? But I I thought Richie at least I I thought Richie in 2017 at least on this rewatch I didn't felt as enamored or like attracted. Or like, or I, I didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like that that spark of appeal, cause like he, 
I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was just, just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was the point because he was just, he was just being. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I guess it is the point. Yeah, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, he was just, he was being a loud mouth, and he was, he was taking a lot of, spewing a lot of jokes that didn't land, or they landed flat, and like, I don't know. I just. I, I don't okay you know what this is the alcohol talking or I just I don't know what I'm t- I'm talking about I just it's the Grand Marnier just went to your head I just drunk an orange I know I just from back to back I just felt I just I liked I liked Seth Green's um, Richie more than Finn Wolfhard's Richie and that's not saying I don't like Finn Wolfhard and I. That's saying I don't I don't like their character. I'm not saying I don't like the character of Richie. I just don't know why. I just felt more. Oh, Ryan's taking a swig. Okay, please defend. Please, I want to hear your thoughts. I I just or maybe you can convince me. Why don't I like Richie on the second rewatch? Because I I just felt he was. I didn't like him as much as any of the other characters. So here's the thing. When you watch the miniseries, you get to see the kids and the adults side by side comparison. Looking at adult Richie, he is very much like Finn Wolfhard's character. So it's it's it for me it's clear where the humor went to as an adult. I think it's a little bit harder when you don't have when you see a child and adult to balance each other out however many years apart in their lives and it's a little bit harder to sort of judge that growth and range of character when all you're looking at is a child that being said I don't disagree with you but I don't agree with you either I think that looking at the 1990 series for what it was I think that the casting for all of those people were spot on perfect it was very uh fit with However, unintentionally, I know they're supposed to be filming all of this in like the 70s and the 80s. When it was filmed, it was very much taking place in the time it was being filmed in. So a lot of the humor and a lot of the stuff that you're seeing was very much from the 90s, in my opinion. This, taking place in 1989 for the 2017 remake, a lot of the humor is very much 2017 humor. And I don't think that that detracts away from any of this. I don't think it takes away anything from the character or anything like that. I just think that um, when you watch something like it back to back for something like a podcast or just in general for fun, again, it might be a little bit harder to make a judgment call on a character when you haven't seen any sort of depth that they have. Sure, they grow enough over two hours, but where we're fortunate with the miniseries is you get to see how everyone grows up and behaves and then sort of reverts back to their childhood selves when they come back as adults. You get to see Bill cower in a sewer and go back to stuttering and he's not a strong, prominent human anymore. Uh, you get to see Beverly not as full of fear and she's really there for everyone And then there's Richie, who still goes back to cracking wisecracks and making jokes. I think that Finn Wolfhard is a slightly more extreme, if not almost spot-on version to the novel, as I remember it. I think they're both great. I don't think one takes, like I said, I don't think one takes away from the other. Yeah, you pick up a good point. I think maybe that 
weird disconnect was the fact that I just watched like pretty much back to back. Uh, maybe I don't know because I again I love Finn Wolfhard and I I love yeah I just don't I know Richie I just don't know what there was something bothering you might just don't you might just not like Richie as a character too which is a possibility that you're not willing to tell yourself Richie's not that funny he's he's the kid that grows up to be a stand up comedian because everyone told him he was funny when they were growing up. I'm sorry, but that's what he is. Everybody has a friend like that. I'm going to go into comedy because everybody says I'm funny. You're not, you're allowed to not like him as a character. <laughs> ah, but that's the thing. Like, I, I actually kind of enjoyed him in the miniseries, but I don't know. I, we'll, we'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> but did you, but did you like set, but here's the, so here's the thing is again, you, when you watch the miniseries and when you read the book, you have comparisons for everybody. You can say, man, he's really irritating me. And then you can go, oh my God, as an adult, you know, he really like got his shit together. Again, it's kind of hard with something like the 2017 film where you don't, you don't have that. There's a, there is an absolute disconnect there because we haven't met the adults. Which is a nice segue. Yes, it's a nice segue to let's please talk about the casting for the 2017 part two, because I also think that the casting for part two is spot on, spot on. And I've seen set photos of Bill Hader, who's playing older Finn Wolfhard, who's playing older Richie, and he is cackling on set with Bill Skarsgård, and it just like warms my heart so much. He did an interview with Conan O'Brien saying that he's laughing on the set because apparently that's what he does when he's, like, scared. He just smells <laughs> a lot. <laughs> like, oh, my God, we're going to die. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So, the, like, getting bits and pieces of all this, I think, is, is really awesome. I think the only person that I'm still unsure of because I have to see it on screen is James McAvoy. Oh, that's... Huh. That's surprising. Uh, are you not a fan of James McAvoy, or you just didn't? Oh see God, him? love him. Okay, you just didn't see him as a Bill. Correct. Okay. I didn't see him as a Bill. I could have seen him as anything else in the film. I just couldn't see him as a Bill. Um, but they're all actors for a reason. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I couldn't picture anybody else. By the way, as Beverly Marsh, except Jessica. Ch- like if anybody else had been cast as Beverly. It- that wasn't Jessica Chastain, I would have thrown a fit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, let's back it up a little bit. Uh, let's go through the Losers Club. So Bill is being played by James McAvoy. Uh, ben is being played by Jay Ryan. And admittedly, I'm not familiar with this actor, but he's from New Zealand. Um, he's done some TV shows and soap operas. Uh, like uh, Neighbors and Go Girls. Um, so maybe, a, like a rel- I, I, are, are you familiar with Jay Ryan? The name sounds familiar. I'll be really honest. I haven't checked his IMDb page recently enough. Hold on, I'll just do it right now. Haven't checked his IMDb page recently enough for me to say, oh yeah, I've heard of that or I've seen that. Well, I'm already excited because in his earliest TV's roles, he played... He was on Young Hercules and Xena Warrior Princess, and that's awesome. That was my shit back in the day. I loved both of those shows, so right on. Very good. Um, 
Uh, most recent stuff, uh, he appears on a show called, or two shows called Fighting Season um, and Mary Kills People. Um, in terms of films, he hasn't done a lot of films. Um, he's, he's only done seven films. First one was called, well, actually it was a, it was a, a direct to TV movie, which was super fire in 2002, you wish in 2003, um, mockingbird in, in 08, bleeders in 08, uh, Francois Charles in 2009. I feel like I've seen his face in a lot of stuff. Wait, he it sounds like he's done a majority... Well, he did the CW series, The Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, a lot of his work is um, uh, New Zealand or Australian TV and or movie. So I'm wondering if this is going to be one of his biggest breakout U, uh, U.S. roles. Oh, he was in... Oh, my God, he was in Terra Nova. He plays a murderer. You know, I love my murders. Indeed. <laughs> so, okay. So, yes. I am so beyond excited for It Chapter 2. I can't wait. I know that the kids are going to be in it, but not for as long as the adults. Yeah, I mean, this is now the, this, the, this is an adult's moment to, to shine. I think the kids are going to make a segue and then it's going to be the adults for the majority of the movie. Hell yeah. Uh, just to wrap up with the adults, we have Jessica's Chastain as Beverly, Bill Hader as Richie, Isaiah Mustafa as Mike Hanlon. Uh, oh, I know this guy. He's the old Spice guy. Oh my God. That's awesome. This poor man. I'm sure that's exactly how he wants to be remembered. But, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh james ransone or ransone he's playing eddie uh and Andy bean as stan um let's see jess wexler or Wix wixler uh is gonna be audra um teach grant it's gonna be henry bowers and yeah so that's that's the adult cast i want to talk about the before I get to that last little thing that I'm hoping will just tie this whole thing together, I want to talk about the marketing campaign for the 2017 movie for like a hot second. Andy Muschietti released uh, missing kid posters as part of the marketing campaign for this. And a lot of them, they were all the missing children that go missing throughout the entire film. And one of them was actually Richie Tozer. So I think that was the first one that I saw. I was like, what do you mean Finn, Finn Wolfhard goes missing? He's one of the main characters. How badly did you fuck up this movie? And then I saw it and it all made sense. But it worked. You're like, it, it picked your curiosity and stuff. Exactly. There's also a Tim Curry Pennywise Easter egg in the 2017 movie. Did you catch it? Yeah, in the clown room. Mm-hmm. There's also a Shining. Yes, yes. And there's... There's also Pennywise's all over the town. I wanted to like count all of them, but I just got so wrapped up in the movie. I was like, eh, I'll do, I'll do it next time. That's <laughs> eh, all good. I was really proud of myself. I, I caught a Shining reference in, um, in, in Ben's room, like the wallpaper of his room that matches like the, what's it called? The carpet or of the, yeah, of the Overlook Hotel. It's very good. I think one of my favorite moments 
is when Ben is in the library after the librarian comes up to him and gives him his book. When it zooms out, if you look behind him in the background, the librarian is just standing there, hunched over, smiling at him. That's Pennywise. Ah, oh, he's such a creep. I love him. <laughs> I know. It's great. That whole scene in the basement where instead of calling him Fat Boy, he calls him Egg Boy because he's he's looking into the Easter egg hunt. Brilliant. Any of the changes that Andy made for this movie, I have no I have no problem with. Each one of these adaptations really holds up against the novel, and I think both do amazing things for Stephen King's novel. I don't think either one of them takes away anything, which is hard. Uh, I don't often... We don't often talk about remakes or adaptations on this show where I have a glowing review. You have an iron standard. I really do. I easily give both of them six out of five red balloons. Easy. Easy. Because they both do wonderful things for the novel. So, coming quote-unquote soon, because the last time I checked up on this it said soon and it was about a year ago. There is a documentary coming out called Pennywise, the story of it. And it mostly revolves around the 1990 miniseries. But Tim Curry is a very prominent person in it. They sit down and they interview him about what it was like. And for that alone, I am super excited when this... They had an Indiegogo campaign. By the time I found it... It had already closed and they had already received full funding. Oh, sweet. Is it going to be like digital distribution or like somewhere? Like did anyone pick them up? Well, the people that contributed to the Indiegogo get a physical copy, which is why awesome. I'm kind of mad that I didn't find it sooner because I would have loved to get my hands on it. Well, I think most Indiegogos have like a have like a backer kit kind of style, like late pledge. You might want to look into that. No, it, I did. It was all it was done. It was, that's how, that's how late I was to this. I don't know why it took me so long to hear about it, but they just released a six and a half minute extended trailer for the documentary. Um, I will put a link to that in our show notes, because if you're a fan of it, especially the miniseries, you really want to check this out. So I'm really excited for it. They get some of the crew back together and they talk to them about what it was like making all of this. I'm hoping Stephen King makes an appearance. We'll see. So that's just sort of my bookend point to it. It! Six out of five balloons. So just to end on a funny note, the first time the kids in the 2017 movie saw Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise because they kept them isolated and the kids I think had been filming. Oh, no. They did. I think the kids had been filming for about a month and a half before Pennywise was actually on set. And the first day they were on set was the shoot that they did in the house. So not only are they shooting in a creepy ass house, now they're being introduced to Pennywise. And they kept them all isolated from one another. They hadn't seen each other. They had no idea how they were going to interact. And day one with Pennywise was in the creepy house. And he, the first scene they do is with Eddie after he falls through the ceiling and breaks his arm. And Bill Skarsgård is in his face. He's spitting on this kid. He's drooling on him. He's screaming at him. And my favorite interview is... Bill Skarsgård saying, 
how he's genuinely afraid that he's terrorizing this child and like scarring him for life. And Andy calls cut and he goes, oh my God, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? And the kid who's playing Eddie looks at him with a straight face and says, love what you're doing with the character. Love it. <laughs> like, Gives him a hug. Damn, okay. That is a resilient I like the child. cut of your chips, sir. And they, they shake hands. Exactly, exactly. And Bill's like, I hope he hires me one day. Like, who does that? <laughs> so just like a nice like, fun note. Best, best review. Best critic of my life. It's this kid, kid right here. It's a kid. Yeah. So that is, that for me, you guys just do yourselves a favor Try and find any of the interviews that Bill Skarsgård has done with either Jimmy Kimmel or Conan. Give yourself a good laugh. He describes the casting process and how he had to go through Hollywood and clown face and him coming up with a laugh for Pennywise. And it's it's so fun and so interesting to hear about that from someone who's playing an iconic character like this. So just do yourselves a favor. Go find the videos. I will make sure to include links to them in the show notes. Do yourself a favor, especially if you're having a shitty day and you're a fan of it, watch it. It'll lift your spirits. Um, so I think with that, um, I think we, we're just all in agreement. We love we love it, and we can't wait for It Chapter 2. And, oh, my God, Ryan, I cannot wait to see what new horrors the, these guys are bringing. Because, like, again, I, I love the 20th century version just for, like, just how how far they went to like scare the shit out of you it's just so good and i think it's just like a great visual narrative feat and i just want more gaping maws and more body horror i want to i want them to push the envelope i want to see i want to see pennywise like rip his own arm arm off and like wrap it around a kid and like i don't know it's gonna be crazy oh one last piece of trivia to leave you off on the order that the kids walk away from the circle in twenties in the twenty seventeen film. Now this is a theory. I don't know if it. Well, we'll find out if it's true. Supposedly, the order that they walk away from the circle in is the order in which they die in part two. So that'll be an interesting thing to keep tabs on. Uh, you know where we can go? We can go to the conclusion of this episode. Ryan, where can all the sweet denizens of Derry and our dreadfuls find our show? So uh, before I say bye, I want to give a really huge shout out to my American murder song, Murder Fam. You guys just found out about the show as I was about to record this episode. And some of you were like, I'm going to listen to this right now. So I have to give you guys a huge shout out. I love you all. Uh, Hardcore. You all know what that means. Love you all. So with that my murder fam, and my dreadfuls. Thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please, please, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Literally everything helps when it comes to the show. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We release a brand new episode every Friday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod and on our facebook group and guys come check us out on our brand new website leftfordread.com yes and two you could do two very very important things to help the show out one you could 
uh, give us a positive rating, uh, especially iTunes, and and we also want to hear your feedback. Uh, we always uh, we're always tinkering around with new shows uh, or new ideas. Actually, this whole Stephen King mini marathon was just one of our uh, fever dream sort of experimental projects. Take credit for this, Chris. This was all your idea. I okay, fine. <laughs> uh, so we 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 love. We love interacting with you all, and if you have an idea or a suggestion or a question or a topic, please let us know. There's many ways you can contact us, and also just share share it with a friend, share it with a clown, share it with a creepy ass painting of a woman. Share this podcast with everyone, and uh, spread love. and um, And don't forget, we all float down here and stay dreadful. <laughs> <laughs>